in case you didn't know what time it was, it is that time, the ghost hour. All right. We're back with y'all for another episode of Mostly Ghostly. I'm Matthew, and we have Ray with us as well, you know, co-hosting, co-hosting with the mostin', butter and toasting, you know, bragging and boasting, you know. So we're back with y'all, and uh, we got a fun episode with everybody for everybody today. You know what I mean? We say we like to say with everybody because we we always feel like everybody's with us while we do these things. Um, you know, we we're thinking. You know, me and Ray, but a lot have been thinking about the dark crevices of the earth and such, and all these ancient places that we don't get to. You know, whether it be the bottom of the ocean or you know wherever it may be. And one of the things that always comes to mind is caves you know what i mean like uh these lost caves in the nowhere that no, no one's ever been ever period end of sentence ever 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 um you want you kind of want to know what does uh exist in there if uh, humanity does not exist you know it's one of those things where if something was gonna go try and hide not to be seen from something you know that's probably a good place where it would go um if something was to be crawling out of the bowels of hell, um, it would probably have to travel through there first, you know what I mean, to get to the uh, the earthly soil. But um, you never know, you never know. But in these caves, you know, very, you know, there's been many movies made about it, stories, you know, all types of writings, literature, fiction, nonfiction, um, you know, think how how where the caves fit in your in your uh, in your psyche of uh, paranormal places. You know, where that where does that fit in your world? Well, I mean, if you take a look at uh, different cultures around the world, historically, a lot of Aboriginal and other cultures always viewed caves as the entrance to hell, the underworld. Right. Um, because of the death through uh, mining accidents and such, uh, particularly the farther back you go in time, not only for gold, but if you look at it, salt. Yeah. Uh, there's a massive uh, cave system in Poland that was operating until around 1990 uh, that had a lot of debts in it. And it was carved out, though, by many of the miners. And there's something like 40 chapels underneath the ground yeah 30 stories down but yeah we associate death with we associate the underworld and what's really interesting is that i was reading the other day is that scientists using equipment have found that down i think it's just below the mantle or lower part of the mantle deeper than they've ever gone Hmm. but with this equipment there are massive caves and openings right in the earth so yeah caves uh they've held a lot of uh, importance in mythology, uh, personal beliefs, and also the darkness, inner earth. And if you're talking psychic, well, you know, if there are caves where there's uh, quartz lines, uh, quartz a conductor of spiritual energy, uh, there's a lot lot behind it. There's a reason for people to believe that caves are someplace that's rather unusual. Because of that damn, yeah, crystals and all types of different rocks and different things can grow down there because of the environment, you know what I mean? And stuff we don't see in the surface because it's such a different environment that to us, they look like uh, monsters or aliens because they're just so different from us. 
I could almost picture, you know, with it being with damp and moist areas like that and the insects and all that, you know, something that you could almost grow an insect that goes into an organism and turns into, you know, becomes almost lobster-like. And then that lobster-like would eventually could evolve into a bigger lobster. Now, if you find yourself in, in an underground situation or in a cave situation uh, where you're dealing with, imagine dealing with a, a human-sized lobster. That's not a pretty situation. That's what we call a horror film. You know what I mean? Well, there are legends among different uh, tribes uh, that go way back. I think there might be the Navajo. It's one of the Western tribes in the U.S. Uh, of the ant people yeah. that came up from the caves. And they did some, uh, they used to do some ceremonies and dances for them. Uh, the story about mankind will survive. And it was actually another tribe was saved by the snake people who taught them how to live in caves when there was a problem with the planet. Now, when you say like ant people and snake people, do they resemble the, like the insect and the reptile? Or is it just because they happen to figure out a way to live underground? Uh, the portrayal in costume uh, mimics the look of the uh, ant or the snake. So they are the snake people. They are the ant people. But it's just costume. It's not like a physical thing, like an actual. It's not like a, a crossbreed of a human mixed with a snake, right? Like a reptilian type thing, right? Or is it? Uh, if you go back and you take a look at, at the original stories, they were a separate breed and they were the ant people. They were ants, basically. But they how, were big? How how yeah. human? I don't know. And, yeah. and size, but yeah, they, they, they were quite big. Uh, but it's that sort of thing comes up all over the world. The other yeah. thing too, as far as we know, it might be something that's in a long forgotten memory in our DNA. I mean, when the, and this is really pushing it out there, but if you take it that, um, the dinosaurs were wiped out by a comet, the only thing that survived were marsupials. And that is yeah. because they were small and they were able to live underground and in covered areas or caves. And we eventually came from them. Uh, they're evolving and then going onward into apes and then eventually into people. So who knows if it's an ancient DNA genetic memory from when we survived that comet and dinosaurs were wiped out in a marsupial or maybe even reptilian brain. I don't know, but it's caves have always served a purpose. It's weird. It's the size. The, the, the things that were bigger would scare you there to survive. You almost wonder, like, because you think, like, you take a tarantula, right? Like, in a bizarro world, you could almost pick if a, a bigger tarantula could almost be as a household pet in a bizarro world. You know, a bigger tarantula could will be something that would kill. It would be a trouble for a human. Like, imagine if we had to square off with, if we had to square off with tarantulas that were the size of lawnmowers, you know, ride on lawnmowers, like, that would be a problem. You know, but what do you think about the possibility of, you know, the things like that actually being way, 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 way back in time actually being a deal, a problem. And then we've just as, as a species, we've had, you know, like we kill off other species. You think we've had, you know, do you think there was big spiders at one point that we actually had to eliminate because we knew at one point they would kill us if we didn't kill them? Oh, I don't doubt it. As a species, we kill off anything we perceive as a threat rather than live with it or understand it. If we say, oh, that, that's going to be a threat, then we exterminate it. Uh, who knows? We could have lived in peace. Uh, who knows what could have happened? But we do that with each other as well as other species. Yeah. 
if tarantulas ever start eating McDonald's and uh, Purdue chicken, we got to be careful. We got to take be careful because they get those hormones in them. They're going to be football player uh, tarantulas. We get a problem. Think about the, the think about the. I, we say that we've said it on the show before, even with like your household pets. You know what I mean? Like your dog and cat. If you were to multiply that by ten, if you were, if you were dealing with a cat that was you know the size of a tiger, you know, which is what it what it really is at the end of the day. It's like you don't want no you don't want no king lion uh, walking through your living room. You know what I mean? It's a different uh, it's a different element when you are. You know, like I think that the cat has the friendly aspect to the human because of the size. If the size was flipped, we would the cats would probably be eating humans. If 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 the size thing was flipped around, we'd probably be on their food chain. We wouldn't be we wouldn't be the one. We'd be food one way or the other, either the one feeding them or the one being fed to them. You know what I mean? There's an old film, uh, an old black and white Roger Corman film called yeah. Black Scorp- Black Scorpion. Yes. And it's about it's about giant scorpions. I don't want to deal with the giant scorpions. No way, Jose. You know what I mean? All those giant things. There was an atomic age in film where all the insects were, you know, big like them. Um, you had like uh, Night of the, the the Leopard, I think it was, where it was like giant bunnies. The leopard, I think it was. Um, um, giant bunnies, which, I mean, you really think about a, a bunny. You think of a bunny the size of a car that can hop. You're probably talking about a 30-foot hop distance. Uh, you don't even want to think about what those big old teeth are going to do to your skull jumping down on it. Um, horrifying stuff. Or even a hamster, you know. Anybody else that's ever owned a hamster or a guinea pig? You know what I mean? If you've ever been bit by one of those, that's, that's bad times. You know, they clamp right in. Now, if you were to make one of those things the size of a car, forget about it. Cancel Christmas. No way. Ain't happening. Well, uh, uh, you're talking about films I like to watch, though, when you're talking about films. I Valley like to the, watch them, not live them, yeah. Yeah, Valley of the Gwangi with the dinosaurs. There's one out there, I think it's called Monster of Yucca Flats, the giant uh, sheep. Yeah. I mean, it, there's been a giant everything. I'm a big... But yeah. I, I think watching them kind of somewhere in the back of our mind we can laugh at it it takes some of the danger away something like a horror movie yeah we live vicariously and then walk away saying no it ain't real Mm -hmm. it's true (laughs) when it says it's only a movie then that that takes it out of your mind as being a reality you know i'm a sucker for those big insect movies i'm also a sucker for those smaller ones too where um I believe one's called tarantula and it's just, they're, they're regular size, but there's massive amounts of them. Um, there's a tarantula one. And I know that at the, um, there's multiple tarantula type movies, you know what I mean? This one ends with them. I believe they like get them into a big warehouse. That's a cheeseburger factory or something weird. And then they blow it up. Um, and then the other one I like is ants. Um, I think Diana Summers might be in it. Um, or she's in a movie called Dance. I don't know if that's the one, but I know for, that's just, you know, they're in a, and I love this movie is the best. I'd love to remake this movie. It's like a cheesy made for TV movie. And it's all about like, uh, there's a construction site going, they're building next to a, uh, a resort or something like that. And they, they bust through the ground and they unleash these ants and they go into this resort and they start killing people. And the thing that always stuck with me from a little kid seeing was there's a scene where a kid's in a dumpster collecting bottles 
I've probably brought this up 30 times on podcasts. And he goes in, and there's ants in, in the dumpster. And there's a visual of, they, they, they go on him, and there's a visual of him running from the dumpster to the pool, just covered in ants. And that visual is so horrifying to me as a kid that it burnt itself into my brain. Never to be removed. You know what I mean? Like working with Dave Maggot McDuna. <laughs> so, without further ado, I think we should pop into the, the cave element back in here because, you know, we get a small list, you know, not too small. We don't want to give it a complex. We don't want to upset it too much. But we get a little list here of uh, a little over 20 chilling cave discoveries that defy the laws of science. Now, when you defy the laws of science, you only have to, you're only left with God's law at that point, which is a miraculous, mysterious thing. Um And even some of those things can be very unexplainable. But we love unexplainable here at Mostly Ghostly. And this will be our second week in a row. I don't think we flow into ghostly things. We're staying mostly again. I think this week we're mostly again, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so without uh, any further idea, let's kind of crack into some goodness, you know what I mean? Um. You know, no one really knows what lurks in the corners in the dark of the these caverns that weave under the underground, and that most people don't really want to go under there. Uh, I'm, I'm with I'm a person like that myself. I know when I was younger, we went on, we went to New Hampshire, and we went into this trip that was like a cave tour where you would just kind of work your way through the the caves, and you know, if you were too fat like I am now, I don't know if I can do it now, but um, you had to be like. Uh, it was the nineties when they body shamed more, you know what I mean? You had to be thin and trim to move through there. Um, uh, not, 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 you got, I went, to, uh, on a trip <laughs> to New York. Yeah. I went to house caverns. Yeah. I, I don't think you would like that. It's 160 feet down. You got to take an elevator all the way down there to go into those underground caverns. An elevator, I, huh? I lo- I loved it. It's beautiful. It's be- to me, it's beautiful down there. But you're 160 feet down. So what are you like? Something like 16 stories or something ridiculous like that that's, underneath the ground. That's the perfect spot for a gag elevator prop thing where you, you pe- people think they're going down. And you do that thing where it, you feel like you just drop the entire way and then you stop and they're like, <gasps> they're like everybody's dead from a heart attack when you open the door. And then once you're down there, you get to walk all, all around through it. And so it's I thought it was great. Now the um, the oxygen the whole, levels. The whole, are, the whole family went down, and they liked it. Oh yeah. Did you feel anything weird with your body? I hear oxygen levels and stuff get weird in places like that, right? Uh, nope. Don't know if they had it ventilated or not, but everything was fine. Cool. Another reason why caves would have weird. You know, you don't get the proper air in there. You get all fungi air. You know, going in there. You know, portals almost like living in a bubble. You know what I mean? These, these, these catacombs lost forever. Um, the catacombs would be another place to really catch. There's all time the catacombs of Egypt. There's all times some weird, crazy uh, stuff down there, I believe. All right, well, let's, let's rock into our first little thing here. We have the crone statue. Um, in 2016, this voodoo doll-like uh, statue, uh, uh, sculpture statue was found inside a cave in the Catskill Mountains. The hikers that found it reportedly felt a strange supernatural energy when they got close. They snapped a photo and posted it to Reddit, 
with the hopes of somebody knowing what it was. Uh, this does look like something right out of the exorcist. You know what I mean? Um, it is, uh, it, it, what it looks, you know, it looks like wooden, looks like it's a wooden statue guy with a, a noose around its neck and it has nails driven into the eye sockets of what it would have been. Um, very weird stuff. It's so weird looking that it almost looks fake. Like it looks like, it looks like so negative that it looks fake. You know what I mean? Like wearing rocking the noose with the, the nails in your eyes is definitely trouble. That's definitely a sim, some symbolizing somebody they did not like. Uh, it was not to be liked. Um, whether they, whether that was just their personal opinion or if that's kind of, uh, the type of person they were, you know, but what you, what you, what you think about that? It's a weird well, thing. It could be the fair factor. That could have been an old uh, site where they did ceremonies and they built that statue. Truth. And when uh, brand new settlers, uh, the new people came in and they discovered that, then they would have, maybe they were a little hesitant on taking it out of there. They're yeah. afraid of moving it. So what they figured is they, they would kill it. They would take its eyes away. They would uh, symbolically hang it. Leave it behind. I think it's more like de- desecrating an old uh, an old site that was sacred to somebody in that area. Some superstition with, like you're saying too. Uh, this would make a great um, like tourist gift shop item. That's what I'm gathering from it. Uh, not something you want to be hanging around your neck, um, or really hanging anywhere, but I could see some people hanging it. And I can see it hanging from people's, um, rearview mirror, bobbling around right before they hit that fucking Mack truck going 80 miles an hour. Cause they fell asleep looking at it, swaying back and forth in the night going, Ooh, they were hypnotized. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird stuff, but I vibe with that with what you're saying. I think it probably was, you know, in a place of, uh, not the best of things, and it was probably put up to ward off whatever, you know. Next up on the list, we have Haunting Hands. Uh, at one point, uh, many caves throughout the world housed ancient civilizations, and this handprint artwork proves it. Discovered in an Argentine uh, Argentinian cave, the humans who lived here created this art using red chalk powder. Amazing scientists determined this primitive painting to be uh, 9,500 to, uh, to 13,000 years old. Crazy. Now, what it is, is they, um, for anybody out there want to get a visual picture, they put this powder on their hand and they just kind of overlapped each other in hand. So just picture... Uh, if you had a wall and a bunch of handprints on it, how it would turn into like a funky collage type deal where it would be a mixture behind, but the last set of hands that wrapped there, you'd be able to see the handprint type deal. So there's a funky look to it. Very cool. I'm very, um, all this old school art stuff um, is very cool. And if I was a man of billions, I would probably try and circulate the world and acquire weird art like this. You know what I mean? Ancient art, you know, this is uh yeah, you know all that all that ancient art that shit that they that they did and the primitives didn't. It's just there, like nobody owns it. It's just kind of there. You know what I mean? It's just there to be worn out and one day destroyed, or you know, protest some protest or sledgehammer it out. You know what I mean? But what's your take on that one, right? The haunting hands. Um, I think we say they're haunting. There probably was because there are also uh, similar things done out in Western America and different parts of the world. 
but quite often it was involved in a ceremony. Now, I don't know if it was one where they were leaving something behind or pledging something. I don't know, but it was usually ceremonial uh, for the ancient tribes. And that's one reason why it was left and never defaced by the ancient people, because it was important to them. Uh, we see it as, as creepy as we see it as haunting. Uh, we don't have the perspective that they had. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting deal. It's all perspective, you know, even right down right now in 2021 and people, you can pluck different people from different parts of the world. Their perspective isn't going to be the same. You can pluck people from different parts of this country that have their perspective you can pluck people from this town that I'm in and their perspective isn't going to be different. You know what I mean? You can pluck people from your street. Isn't going to be the same perspective. Well, the, the, the only thing I'll, I'll disagree a little bit on that is yeah, the little area where I live. Yeah. When I drive into it, uh, my granddaughter calls it uh, my village. Okay. Everything. Everything looks about the same. And yeah, around here, pretty much it's a little enclave. It's a little cluster of people that kind of mostly share the same attitudes and the, the same outlook. And she, she, calls, she calls it my village of this, yeah, like these little, little, little homes with a bunch, of, a bunch of people there just cooperating with each other and getting on with life. It sounds like a very artistic uh, Sundance film we should make and become famous off of. There's a place um, in China, which was very cool, that the, the way it was just been carved out by nature and all that and the way that the light flows through it, um, it has a real psychedelic vibe to it. And it just almost looks like something you'd buy for a fish tank. You know what I mean? Like a weird, trippy <laughs> colored coral type deal. Um, roughly uh, roughly 500,000 years ago, a river carved out of this cave in China known as the Reed Flute Cave read two E's uh, flute as in the instrument cave. Um, The unique rock formation here reflects shades of blue and purple light all over the interior walls. And for all of you history buffs during world war two, Chinese soldiers actually used it as an air raid shelter. Um, If I was a Chinese soldier that was wounded laying on the ground, looking at this, I would assume I was going through the gates of heaven. That's how beautiful this looks. You know what I mean? Um, So with that being said, we go into ancient footprints. You know what I mean? Um, Although uh, this footprint, which we have over here in picture, uh, you know, uh, we should probably throw a link up on the page for anybody wanting it down. But although uh, the footprint here might excite Bigfoot enthusiasts, uh, everywhere cryptozoologists would sit back. Uh, in the 1960s, 400 of prints were found in Romania's Curie Izbuk Cave. Thanks to radiocarbon measurements, scientists determined that Homo sapiens left them over 300. Uh, 35,000 years ago. My brain ain't working a little bit today. Um, yeah, footprints, you got to be careful with the big foozy prints, you know what I mean? Um, you know, ancient footprints found in caves isn't out of the norm. Um, I feel like caves would be a great place to find things like that. You have anybody down there that 
there's no real elements. There's no winds, rains, and like that that are going to kind of cover it up or blow, you know, ruin a footprint. So you're probably best, the longest lasting footprint you'll probably find is probably in a cave. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it's probably cold in a cave too. So the, the ground freezes. So I think that your best bet for a footprint would be in a cave. What's your opinion on uh, ancient footprints in caves, Ray? I think caves would have served the purpose as a shelter, a variety of different reasons. And yeah, they, it's going to be undisturbed for all that time. Um, are they the oldest footprints found? Uh, no, I can't remember the details now, but I was reading something recently about where they found some footprints that look human in a rock formation right near some dinosaur prints. And they dated both at the same time and humans weren't supposed to be around when dinosaurs were. Right. So the, the there was the right no crossover. Footprints. What was there a crossover of human and dinosaur, or was there never, never any crossover? Conventional science says never. Okay, interesting. But the footprints say yes, and I'm I'm waiting to see whether the footprints disappear or the story disappears because it doesn't fit science, or whether someone decides to uh, examine it anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean. The preservation of footprints, the ideal place is that cave. I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in the world, if they don't blast the cave out first, if they let uh, someone in to look at it, they'll find other ancient uh, footprints in caves that even predate that. It's a perfect place for shelter. Yeah, the footprints are, I, I assume that'd be a very common thing, you know what I mean? And all types of things, you know, uh, you know, even fossils you know what i mean things that have crawled in there to die you know a lot of animals when they know they're gonna die they they just get they get away from everything and just die like by themselves which is what better place than a cave you know what i mean i don't the same way the same way i almost feel like ancient people would you know why you said it was like the the, the end of the gateway to hell so they probably don't want to travel down that way but you know the what are you dropping the robes is one of the things we talk about with with cultures and you know when people get to a certain age they just kind of wander out into the woods and wait for death to take them. Uh, I feel like in animals, you see dogs will do this too. Like if you have a dog and he knows he's sick and he's dying, he'll, you know, they usually, they'll, they'll kind of run away and then go die on their own type deal. A weird, weird vibe. Um, you know, so I assume all, all animals probably have all living things probably have that vibe to it. So who's to know what's crawled in there and died and left the fossil behind. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's uh Yeah caves perfect place to find things they've discovered so much in caves it's 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 a wealth of knowledge in there if you start looking at it with an open mind right it's truth you know what i mean um i do not want to live in no cave i know that to be true we have the old the starry night exhibit uh is on this list for caves in new zealand uh you know one of the most gorgeous countries on the planet uh, and this cave adds to that beautifulness. Located in Waitemo, um, um, it may just put uh, put it at a very top of the beauty list. People think it might be the most beautiful thing of all time, and it does look very stunning. It's like a weird falling stars type situation. Um, definitely go peep uh, Starry Night New Zealand uh, situation, and you, you probably got a visitors take kayaks through the thirty million year old cavern to gawk at thousands of um, phosphorescent worms 
dangling off the walls. It's like experiencing the universe underground. Yeah, that's uh, some craziness. Uh, Phosphorescent worms dangling. So, like, they're... I wouldn't mind having some of those in, like, a fish tank. That'd be pretty cool. You know, with dirt and stuff in it, you know. And it does it. it they, they, the, the, the look that it has is pretty crazy. You know what I mean? Well, that's also... That also goes to survival. Um, in a cave where there is very little light, the worms had developed the ability to generate their own light or re- reflect it. They've seen it in fish and uh, the deep sea and you've got the worms that can uh, glow now in the dark and it develops in a cave because there is no natural light in there or very little light. It's kind of weird how they can evolve and adapt like that. You know what I mean? You think if something can adapt that well, you think it could adapt out of sickness, you maybe adapt to longer lives, adapt into, you know, flying, you know what I mean? Seeing weird things, but certain things do. Well, I don't know about sickness. I don't know if any of those rooms ever get sick. I mean, That's a good we, point. See, we see adaptation as automatically uh, changing and, you know, uh, humans adapted, you know, now they have brains and computers, et cetera, or uh, diner chickens, uh, most, uh, birds adapted from came from different dinosaur lines. We see that adaptation yeah. always as a great leap. <clears throat> but who's to say that something like those worms in that cave, the perfect adaptation for them is to be able to shine that light and live peacefully together in that cave. Yeah. No ego, no need to develop a computer, walk around, kill anything else. It's kind of like, oh, this is perfect. We're going to stay here in our adaptation because we've reached the epitome of what we are. Do you know what the life, life, uh, life, life distance of a worm is? I've got no idea. Length. I wonder how long they live. It's often, you know, other insects have very short distances of life. You know what I mean? And then others could be, you know, never dying. You know what I mean? A worm could be around forever until something kills it. You know, the worm you can cut in half. You can cut the worm in half, and it'll still live too. It's got that aspect to it. People eat them for protein. You know, the worm. They, they should be doing more tests on figuring out the worm, and uh, maybe maybe in the future it won't be a it won't be a to call somebody a worm will be a term of endearment in the future. <laughs> He's a worm. That fucking guy is such a worm. Um, maybe in the future, uh, salamanders will get respect. Like the Ohm salamander, which is our next crazy, crazy thing found in caves. Deep in the caves of Slovnia, uh, in Croatia, lives this vibrantly colored amphibian known as the Ohm salamander. That's O-L-M, if anybody wants to take a peek. Um, this bizarre, this bizarre thing is uh, completely blind and uses something called electrosensation to effectively explore its surroundings. Even more bizarre is the fact that although it's an amphibian, the Ohm salamander also has gills that allow it to survive completely underwater. So this organism has figured out uh, how to have its cake and eat it too, apparently, um, where it can do the both underwater and uh, above water which is something I feel like 
to go back to that evolving thing, like if you, you know, I feel like uh, that would be very beneficial. Think about what that would get rid of boats. If we, if we could just, if we were fish, but we, we wouldn't even need boats. Boats would be just for carrying cargo and that's it. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think that's what's interesting about more so the salamander aspect of it is the fact that it's, it's conquered uh, both breathing oxygen and water, you know, in the same life. And it doesn't. It doesn't even need light to get around. It has its own system, uh, getting getting around too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vibration. I assume it's some type of vibration or some weird telekinesis type thing. Who's it? No, I mean, if you master the, I feel like you're in a different heightened state if you've mastered uh, breathing. If 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 I seen a human being walk for twenty minutes from a beach to the water. And then I've seen them walk into the water and then not be around for an hour, come back out of the water, walk that 20 minutes up to the car, hop in the car and leave. I'd say that's an enlightened human being. Either that's David Copperfield Jr. or uh, he's, he's, he's something. He's, he's something, you know what I mean? Um, the ultimate machine. I wonder how, the, you know, the behind closed doors specimen uh experiments that have been done to try and create the ultimate weapon. I wonder how many times they've attempted to try and figure out how to make a human be able to breathe underwater. What a, what a, what a tough experiment that must've been for the subjects. You know what I mean? My rest in peace to those folks going out heavy, rest in peace, peace to all those folks that went out super fucking heavy, hard um, due to being experimented on. That's awful. I shouldn't even laugh. The reality is traumatizing. Horrific. But yeah, these salamanders are uh, that's very cool. I'm surprised they never figured out a way to make uh, make us be able to do that too. You know, what do you, so we got the caves of Cornwall. Um, one of the most mysterious and well preserved caves in the world is located in Cornwall, England, dating back to 500 BC. Visitors have emerged with bizarre stories of strange light movements, odd sounds, and life changing visions that rivaled those of ancient religious texts. I would love to hear more stories about this. Uh, the visual of this place looks insane. Uh, it almost looks like it's ivory. Like the ground, the ground floor is made of ivory and the top half's just like electric. It's like uh, an electric black Sabbath acid drenched cover of just like, ah. Um, very electrical, the neon looking, got some nice reds and greens in there. Uh, what do you think, uh, what do you think happened in something like this for that to go down? You think like that? You, well, actually, uh, let me, let me, let me speculate. So, you know, you have a time like back in the ancient times, people probably stumble into something like this that due to the freaks of nature and weather and temperature and the climate, um, it, it grows this funky color that's like otherworldly, you know what I mean? And that starts the whole thing. And once you have this otherworldly vibe to it, now you have people going there thinking that it's a special place. Now they're worshiping this place, whether subconsciously or, you know, straight up doing it. Um, it could become a church for whatever they, whatever, you know, whatever religion, um, uh, you know, sacrifices could have been made um, that all create power to this thing. And then it eventually develops this aura around it but just the beautifulness of it itself it could have been it could have been 
It could have been created with an aura. It could have been created as a special place. What's your take? Uh, I agree. Naturally occurring or otherwise. I think it might be naturally occurring. Um, and yeah, automatically people would recognize it as a special place. And depending upon those people, they might attribute special uh, spiritual or otherworldly powers to it. So it becomes a place of worship. It becomes a place that uh, people go not just to go ooh and ah, but to recognize the mystery of life and the mystery in nature. And uh becomes that, you know, uh, sacred spot that people will go to. That place that they uh, look to find something outside of themselves. You think these funky colors could be something maybe uh, the rubbing of maybe people that are no longer with us rubbed onto these rocks or bloods or plants, you know, beautiful looking flowers that they, they think, oh, look at this beautiful color. And they notice if they rub this flower on this rock, the, the color stays. You think it's, it could also be that as, you know, to go with the fact of it not being man-made, it could be a man-made thing, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it could be similar like the the hand paintings where they uh they put it on the wall with the with the duck. They may have wanted to leave something there, either as a gift or a, or a mock, or to communicate with what they think is sacred in that cave. So if, that they they use they use those colors, um, those gifts to the cave, the spirits in the cave to try and communicate or get their favor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you were living in a cave around the time of all these people doing this art, you see all these sketches and stuff like that all the time. You know what I mean? On, on the rock. It's like, if they're doing sketches, it, it would not be out of the norm for them to go get plants and paint the inside of their caves. The same way we'd paint our living room blue. Them want to paint the inside of their cave blue. You know what I mean? Kind of makes perfect sense. Realistically. Yeah. Uh, home decorating. <laughs> exactly. The, day one, day one, home decorating. I think there's a lot of that because, yeah, if you're going to be sketching, because even, you know, the painting of your, your cave is less advanced than the sketches, you know what I mean? So I almost feel like that would come first. And as soon as you see the color, you know, you're in these caves, there's somebody around there being like, oh, it's so dull in this cave. I wish it could look nice like those, the green trees and the flowers out there. And then they were holding the flower one day in their hand. And it was like, wow, I have flower on my hand now. And they were like, wait a second. If I rub these flowers on the cave, maybe I'll make. And then the first guy, that that's the movie. I'm making $100 million about the first. It's called The Painter. And it's the first guy that discovered you could rub flowers on on, on your mountain, on your uh, your cave wall and get color. It'll be a very artistic Sundance film. I like to say goodbye to everybody right now because when the film's made, I'm going to be big time. Um, but yeah, I think I think that I think that's what this a lot of this stuff that we're reading about with the you know the cave things. Yeah, there could be natural progressions with you know mold and salt and you know time that could change color. But I also think a lot of it's just interior decorating. You know what I mean? But like in the most primitive form. Well, I think. I think that if that's interior decorating, I don't think it's that primitive because you have to get the idea that you are going to change your environment. And who knows, maybe the particular uh, flower or the whatever they use to uh, cover the walls with, yeah. that when they lit a fire in there, it reflected better. They got more light. So they, they may, may have said, oh, wow, 
this lights up the place a lot and it looks a lot better. That's, that's sophisticated thinking right there. Right. I'm going to decorate my home. I'm going to get a reflection off the wall. That's, that's a step above what we like to think is primitive. It would be one of those higher class things. I feel like higher class people in, in the culture would have it, but it would be something f- free that if you just went out there and found it, like if Joe Blow down the street had, you know, had more, had more wood to burn than me, he, he doesn't have to be, you know, you know, he, he has a blue, he's got a blue living room, but I can go find the flowers that have a blue living room as well, even though he has more wood to burn than me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a way that they can, keep up with the times, keep up with the Kardashians of their times, if you will. You know what I mean? But it's also a trade. The guy who's got the wood, maybe he, and the other guy's got the garden with the flowers. It's like, let's swap here. You give me some wood. Here, you take this for your cave. We both make out. It's a little basic barter going on right there. Yeah. No, it's true. I'm with it. We also, uh, also found in caves are the Pearls of Wisdom which is a very cool deal. It's kind of like these little small pebbles of rocks that they find within rocks and, you know, in, in the walls. Uh, mineral, mineral rich water is what creates uh, these stalagmites and stalactites um, we so often see in caves. But the water is also the cause of these cave pearls. Uh, calcite laden liquid drips from the cave sailings onto the dirt below, and over time, the clumps solidify into smooth, round rocks. Which makes sense, because if you've ever seen, like, um, like when you pour, if you have fresh dirt or whatever, and you pour, like, some water into it, and some of it will ricochet off, it'll land, and you'll see that almost perfect little ball of water that didn't burst, you know what I mean? So yep. I think they're, they're gathering from, from something like that is what this would come through. Which makes sense, you know. It's almost got that lava um, um, sap vibe, you know what I mean, that they took for the they started Jurassic Park over. But that, <laughs> yeah, there's a, you know, that's nature. That's all the, the weird things of nature, man. Mother Nature is one of the greatest artists of all time. Um, the, the the paintings that she paints is a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, that that's that's just, like you just said, that's just beauty in nature. That's what that is. It's mysterious because... <laughs> Uh, was mysterious at one time because people didn't understand it and know the science behind it, but that didn't make it any less beautiful. That even though we know the science, it's still beauty. Yeah, yeah, and I'm with you on that. Uh, another thing found in caves is something I've always wanted to go to. One, I'm a little creeped out by them in the sense of the fact that it's a cave, but um, they always look beautiful. It's cave lakes. Now there'll be like a cave and there'll be an opening in the where you can see the sunlight. And um, there's water in it. Um, it almost have like a Goonies vibe to it, where they're in that like underground with the with the bat with the ship and stuff. But um, it usually looks beautiful, you know, because of the you know the sunlight gets in with the water. There's always a lot of really cool, um, you know, growth and plant life, and the way the water reflects and stuff. It usually has a good vibe. Now the creepy aspect is what's at the very bottom of this thing, in in, in the bed in the very bed of this 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 fucking cave lake is what would creep me out. Um, but yeah, these things are really, uh, really cool. You know what I mean? Um, there's one of them in uh, the Greek, Greek Island of Melissania where Melissa Potter spends all her summers. Uh, the Melissania Lake, uh, offers visitors crystal clear waters completely surrounded by uh, rock that looks incredible. You know what I mean? Um, 
these are this is like photo shoot when you see like models doing photo shoots on beaches and in caves. It's like, that's the type of thing uh, you should be in, in picturing in your mind, thinking about. You know what I mean? Um, next up, bats. You know, horrifying bats. You know, Batman's cave is down in there, so you got to be careful. At first glance, you know. Yeah, you, you, you look at some bats, looks like charcoal, just looks like a big black thing, and you realize there's billions of bats that are about to suck your blood out and give you fucking rabies. Um, you know, it's one of those damn things, you know, the, the, the Barangay Tambo in Samal Island, uh, it has tons of caves, and in those caves, uh, off by Monfort, is a Monfort bat sanctuary. And it, how is, is you know, it's, you know, fucking trillions of bats. Nobody even knows. Numbers haven't even been created for how many bats are in there. But yeah, every movie you see about caves, there's always that one scene where they go, hello, 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 hello. And then you see just like an army of bats go, wow, like blow them out of the doorway. Because they're all in there, you know what I mean? Um, and, the, the, you know, bats are filthy. They, they blame the, the bat with brought COVID to our doorstep. Somebody eating a bat, supposedly. One of the one of the speculated um, one of the speculated arrivals of, of COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, very filthy creatures, you know what I mean? You know they get they get up in your attic. Um, they they do bad shit. I feel what they call it. I used to know the word for the brat droppings. There's a term for it, but it's toxic to you. You're supposed to have people go up there and clean it out because if you breathe it in, it's like super bad for you. Bat guano. Guano, that's what it was. I knew, I learned that from Ace Ventura. I got to credit Ace Ventura for knowing that. But yeah, bats are no joke. They always come out at night. They make the weird noise, you know. They're just creepy things. They have the vampire Dracula tie to them, the old Dracul tie to them. Um, they definitely creep out the scene, you know what I mean? Uh, and you can always I think, Yeah. No, I think part, part of that, uh, why people get so creeped in so many legends, whether it's uh, Dracula turning into one or bats being evil. Uh, yeah, the bat guano, uh, when it accumulates, can be dangerous. But outside of that, is they're creatures of the night. Right. Primitive cultures, you take a look at night, the darkness um that held danger you couldn't see it coming at you you couldn't see what was around you and here are these things that can fly around without hitting anything in the night mysterious things flittering around out of the darkness well you know i mean if you're a hunter gatherer that's going to scare you yeah for sure that that, that that's going to be well, what are these mystical things coming out of coming out of the darkness at us uh flitting around and flying we can't fly we can't see in the dark we can't oh my god what are they and yeah, people got afraid and they got a lot of legends attached to it. And once you put them by the millions, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to start scaring people. Yeah. I think, um, I think people think things that stay in the night, come out at night and stay in the dark always will creep people out no matter what, just because of that whole nocturnal lifestyle. Um, to go with that, you know, in Brazil, whoo, Brazil's got a lot of funky stuff. Um, record-shattering snake, Gigantor snake found. Uh, a team of construction workers making their way into Brazilian cave were unexpectedly greeted by this behemoth reptile. 33 feet long, this snake was the longest ever found. 
Uh, it beat out the previous record holder, uh, a snake named Medusa from Kansas City, Missouri, by nearly 10 feet. So 23 feet in Missouri, uh, that's tough. I don't, I don't want to deal with no 23-foot snake. And I'm, I don't like to know that it's even in our country. That was horrifying. But this Brazilian 33-footer, you know what I mean? You know, the only other snake, uh, Alabama black snake, if I remember correctly, is the only snake bigger than that from Full Metal Jacket. You know what I mean? Well, when you're looking at things like uh, pythons, they grow yeah. long boa constrictors there's a bunch of them when you're talking about 33 feet long then you then you have to start asking yourself what else may have survived in caves right the, from a time when there were like we were talking before giant creatures you're talking crypto stuff here uh creatures that shouldn't exist and that snake is one of them that size but who know who knows what else is hidden in there yeah uh, when you go under the earth or you go into a, a forest that's never been explored. I try not to think about that horrifying stuff. Cause I'm sure that there's bigger snakes out there. Like this snake, like a 30 foot long snake. I probably doesn't get caught unless it's tricked or really, or doesn't give a fuck. I, you don't really, I feel like a 33, 33 foot long snake angry that doesn't want to be caught is not getting caught. That's my take. Not alive. It looks like it's alive. Like I, you can probably twelve gauge your things head off, but like you ain't you. You're not gonna. You're not handcuffing no snake. You know what I mean? I don't know how you're gonna get your hands on an angry snake of that size. Um, I don't want to deal with. I tell you know, a couple of years ago, I was in my family's backyard and I was walking, and a garden snake that was probably maybe a little bigger than a foot. That slid out from in between my legs. I think I died for a little bit. You know what I mean? It was uh, just the, uh, you know what I mean? If I came into, uh, I couldn't even imagine a 10-foot snake. A 33-foot or 23-foot snake, I probably, I would like have a panic attack. I would have anxiety for real. Um, I remember there was a video on uh, on the YouTubes years ago. It was like one of those, tra- those, those trick fake-out videos where it would have you watch it, and then, like, the exorcist picture would pop on the screen and jump back. It was one of those things. This video was a picture of this big, gigantic snake, and it was it was on the concrete laying down, and it's a dude looking at it, and it, he starts at the tail, and he goes all the way up this body, and you're like, when does this thing end? My God. And he finally gets to the end, and you see the head of it, and then, like, right when you get to the head of it, it jumps at the camera. You know what I mean? And it scares the shit out of you because you're dead. Like that snake that big, you're dead. Dude, I would be dead before that. If that thing jumped, before it got to my body, I would be dead. I would have a heart attack. That's how quick I would die seeing something like that. I would like cry before I even like, it'd be a dead body crying. It'd be impossible. It'd be unexplainable. Ray would be on here with a new host talking about how Matt Fisher's body was crying after it was dead. That that's what that's what would happen. That's what that would be. Um, but yeah, like horrifying. Like those big snakes, those big reptiles. And the, the snakes get such a bad rap, even biblically. You know what I mean? They go all the way back. It's just being these evil creatures. It's why it's, it's a wild take. So yeah, who's the Noah in these these caves? Because snakes are things that can go, go live underwater for a little bit as well. So they could travel. The, the nothing's going to stop them from traveling. Well, I. 
in the early 70s, I lived for a while in Texas, and the part I was in was a small town. Yeah. And when I got there, uh, basically everybody told me, get yourself a good pair of boots with double thick leather. Yeah. Don't don't put your foot where you can't see it. This place uh, was riddled with rattlesnakes. Yeah. Each, each year they had a rattlesnake roundup, big celebration. And on weekends, uh, I had a buddy of mine, if we needed money to go out and party on a weekend and stuff, he was from the area. I'd go out with him. And there's a year-round bounty on him. There's so many. And catch a bunch of them, kill them, turn them in for the bounty. We'd have our drinking money. Really? And uh, so, yeah, I got used to snakes. Do I love them? No. But taking precautions uh, around them. Yeah, I'm not terrified. Would I want to come up against a 33-footer? Oh, hell no. No way. I don't want to come up against a 33-foot anything. You know what I mean? There's an interesting thing thing that exists. And uh, if you live in an area like that, uh, it's made for a 38 revolver. And yeah. it's a shell, but it's almost like a mini shotgun shell. Huh. It's got very tiny beads or shot in it. And basically, you carry it around. If, if, when the snake is there, when you shoot it, that pretty much assures you this mini yeah. shotgun. You're going to get it. Huh. So, so yeah, it's like a pocket shotgun, a mini one. Interesting. Uh, just, just in case you can't get away and that there's a snake coming at you, it's kind of like, oh, well, boom. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, here's a few bucks in my pocket for tonight. Your Honor, could you define snake? That's my lawyer in me right there. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to mess around with the snake. You know, snakes are known by snakes are known by uh, many different names. One 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 name they're known by is politician. There you go. Now, when you kill them off, to uh, for for of course they just paid you by size or by what type of snake it was. Uh, by size. Yeah, that's that's a weird. Were there a lot of people getting hurt? I mean, these are poisonous snakes, right? I mean, I know they're out there, out there, but people are probably going to look for them more now. Uh, I don't know about now, but back then you didn't go out alone. You went out with someone experienced, and uh, you'd bag a bunch of them and then bring them in. Was it was it getting them somewhat easy, or is it once you found them, it was kind of like a fight? You know what I mean? Is it exciting? Uh, e- easy if they knew what they were doing. Yeah, the people that knew knew what they were doing, which is they were careful, but I would call it careful casual. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't get shaken by it. They knew exactly what they knew exactly what to do. Killed it and then brought it in. Very careful not to uh, discuss the uh, ruin any part of the skin below the head. Because that's what they want, right? Uh, yeah. That well, when you're going to sell them, whoever you're selling them to, quite often they're gonna they're gonna take all the skins and. Uh, Send them someplace where they're going to make things like snakeskin boots and other stuff. Do you save the first rattle in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a thing like that? Do you save the first rattle of the first snake you kill? Uh, I don't know. I know I, I didn't. I didn't save anything like that. This particular guy I knew, he was very much in this. He was actually an expert on snakes. He had them in his home. I'd go visit him. He had a small boa he used to let loose now and then while visiting. Yeah. And uh, I handled him. I just stayed away from the rattlers. Yeah. The first time I went to New York, um, I went to this dude's house who um, who, who scored the strain, uh, strange, uh, stranglehold John Woo video game. 
Um, and he was a gigantic snake dude. And I remember he had, uh, he took out these exotic snakes that were, they were like, it was like a 12 inch snake. This sounds very dirty. Um, but it was all, it was white and like the way it would turn, it would change color and like the, in the, the, the reflection of the light, like it would go from white to purple to silver. It was, the guy had some money and he bought like, that was his hobby. You know what I mean? I remember in his living room, it was cool. It was one of the coolest houses I've ever seen. Because in the living room, one of the walls had like an aquarium, uh, like a zoo type feel to it, where it was like a window. And you look into it and it there was a, it was like almost, it was like a zoo, but it was like a little home for a snake. And it wasn't out at that point. Um, but like, it was cool to kind of have. And then in his living room, on the table, his coffee table was really dope. It had a... It was a, you could see it was wooden, but you could see into it, it had glass and in it was the first snake he ever had grown snake. And it was, it passed away. But what he did is he, uh, after it died, I guess he did it himself too, where he, um, it's not quite, um, not, um, not, um, taxidermy, like, um, like typical, but uh, he reformed, put the skeleton back together. So when you looked into the case, you, it was the whole skeleton of the snake, like coiled, you know what I mean? But yeah. like, but like no skin. It was just a skeleton. It was really cool to see. Um, I, I always thought that was really cool. But yeah, he was big into the snakes, and the, and I and I I could appreciate the snake. I don't even know if I'd ever even want to have one in my house, like as a pet. You know what I mean? Especially when they get too big. Like I don't. I remember there's a story of um, I heard a story of a girl that you know had a, a snake that was like her size and. Uh, it kept laying next to her in bed. It would it would go into bed with her. Or it would go lay right next to her, what you know, cu- almost cuddling up with her the long way. You know what I mean? And she brought it. Kept doing it, and uh, like right up the side of her. And th- when she goes, oh, she brought the doctor. And she goes, oh, I think my snake's like sick or something. I don't. I hope he's not dying. You know? Do you know what's wrong with them? And she explained it to him. And he, they said, yeah, what he's doing is he's sizing you up to see if he can eat you. So like that's why he's stretching out his body along yours to see if you guys are if you're if he's big enough to eat you yet. And I was like, wow, that's such a crazy thing. And it goes back to that thing with like the cat. Like if you were dealing with a cat that was the size of you know a tiger, it's a problem. Like it would have a different outlook on you. Like if you're not feeding it exactly the right time or earlier, it would slash your throat. You know what I mean? Um, it wouldn't just be meow, very upset meowing at you. It would be chopping your head off with its paw. Um, and the same things with this snake. You know what I mean? I feel the same thing with these snakes and kind of all animals, realistically. People that way, too, you got to be careful. But, yeah, that that snake story of it sizing up the girl, I was oh, that'll creep me out. Because they, they, your whole life, life, that's where they get the term for snakes in human, in, in human life, where you, you're very kind to something. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, one day, it bites you. You know what I mean? It's well, just, one, one thing about the snakes curling up next to you, and I found this out in Texas and stuff, is they will, snakes like, like it warm. Yeah. And they will seek someplace that's warm. So if you let them loose at night in your apartment, they'll find you because they can sense the heat. And they'll curl up next to you Yeah. because you because of the body warmth. And what happens with a lot of people is they get bit because they don't realize that. You've got to keep it in its container Yeah. Um, unless you can see what's happening. Because it'll seek out the warmth. It'll get right next to you. And then all of a sudden you roll over and it strikes. Yeah. That's, that's tough. And they, it grips on, like if it wants to grip on it, see the snake, 
there is no communication factor with snakes. Even with a, like what we've talked about this before with their, their, even with dogs, there's, there's some type of communication factor, which is not a good thing where, you know, like if somebody's mean to a dog, the dog remembers it and knows not to go around that person. And it, it, as terrible that is, that a, that's a form of communication. There is no communication really deal with the snake. Like it does whatever the, whatever it wants. No quite like it doesn't see, it doesn't see a problem in killing you. You know what I mean? It's one of those things, uh, which is tricky, of course, with anything. Oh, well, if you're going to roll over on it, it's just trying to survive. Don't well, that's what I mean. Feet. Like it doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah. And it doesn't have arms to go, hey, bro, you need to step back. All it has is his teeth. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, craziness. Uh, they should be left to live free lives in the wild. Uh, next, we got re- the remnants of Neanderthals are also found in caves. Like we've said, you know, homes and stuff like that. People are going to want to get down with it. Hundreds of these strange structures created from uh, stalites and uh, stalagmites were found in caves in France. Although researchers can't be absolutely sure what they were used for, uh, they believe the Neanderthals may have arranged the formations in specific ways for ritualistic gatherings. Now, it's just kind of, you know... um, a bunch of things. It could be really anything. Um, the way this picture looks is it could be dri- things that drip down and just kind of things that came off of the ceiling that dripped um, and kind of formed a certain way. You know, it all it could it could very well be what they're going for, which is people Neanderthals set this up and it's just kind of dilapidated over time. There is kind of a little structure to it. Looks like there is almost a little formation or a blueprint, some type of structure to be seen in it. Um, but who's to say, you know, it's the beauty, like to go back to the beauty of mother nature and just the way things fall, you know what I mean? You know, trees, trees fall a certain way freakishly and they could, they could spell out your name. You know what I mean? Who, you know what I mean? It's one of those weird vibes. Um, I think this might be more one of those, but I'm not opposed to it being, you know, I'm sure there is stuff down there. You know what I mean? This one looks like it could be a mixed match, uh, and stuff like this, I question because who's to say they didn't come in 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago and do it. And then now it just looks that way. You know what I mean? I always think stuff like that's a little specula- speculation, you know. What's your opinion? Well, I'm going to partly disagree. Mm-hmm. I don't know if somebody modified it or not, but uh, Neanderthals yeah. were around for a long while. Other research, they found out that... Uh, they were not as primitive as we like to say they were. Yeah. There's evidence of rituals. They did bury their dead, which means that they probably believed in an afterlife. Recently, in the last year, they found evidence and they suspect that they uh, had language or communication. And outside of that cave, they have found what is the equivalent to Aboriginal ceremonial sites, other circles and other stones arranged on purpose that date back to an Neanderthal time. Now, they were around long before Homo sapiens, humans, and had a lot of time to evolve. And their their evolution must have been significant because they coexisted with humans for a long while. And also they interbred with. Yeah. Uh, DNA shows, uh, and many people, shows some people more than others, significant amount, that uh, they carry uh, Neanderthal DNA. So could that have 
could they have seen that? Could it be natural forming? And they decided that this would make a good sacred site or that's a, that's a distinct possibility. I'm not going to underestimate the Neanderthals. We're finding more and more about them that they were closer to us than we think. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, I, I like I said, I, I won't, I won't dismiss anything, but I think things, things like, Remnants left behind is one of those something that can be easily faked, I think. But I would not be opposed to it being uh, complete realities. You know what I mean? Uh, massive crystals are found down there because of you know the drippings and the salts and the, the you know the, the climate. You'll you'll see these weird gigantic forty foot crystals and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Which I'd love to see in real life. Um, they're kind of cool. These enormous crystalline structures were found in a cave in Naca, Mexico. Um, besides the crystals themselves being an incredible find, the scientists who's explored the area also discovered thriving life. Uh, samples of bacteria were apparently living off the iron and magnesium present in the structures, which led the team to believe that life may be able to flourish in conditions way tougher than previously thought. Uh, maybe not human life, but uh, some type of life. You know what I mean? Well, I know that. It doesn't uh, smell good. Huh? I did. I did some research on those caves a few years back when they first found them. When the scientists go into them, they need protective equipment. Number yeah. one, it, it it is hot down there. The temperature is incredibly high, and the oxygen is not good. It's toxic to humans. You can't survive very long. Yeah. So that toxic environment where something else can survive. Uh, that's been seen in many places. Some of the geysers like uh, up in Yellowstone, uh, it's boiling hot. It's full of all sorts of chemicals, but they found uh, microbes and life in that. So these caves in an environment that's hostile to us uh, spawns its own life. And go- going back to what we said about the giant snake or whatever, what, uh, the giant snake in a whole crypto thing is who knows what has been spawned in some cave somewhere if a basic form of life can be growing in a place like that crystal cave that we can't survive in yeah no yeah yeah. if you had to choose to be killed by a gooey slimy organism or a a, a polished metallic golden robot what would you rather be Oh, I don't know. That, that's that's a tough one. Can I, uh, will the organism uh, <coughs> assume part of me and continue on? If then, I, yeah. I'd, if you like in that. that. Case, in that case, I'd like, the, I'd like the gooey organism become part of it and then just go out and take the next victim. You like that, huh? Wow. That says a lot it's about a, you, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's better than that. <laughs> that's stale cold robot i mean this this is a living thing i can merge with and we can go out and you know cause havoc i would rather the robot i'd rather i'd rather the cold steel choppiness of the robot than the engulfing slimy uh cold feel of fucking some some weird creature thing you know yeah but left to our own devices once we die we become that cold slimy <laughs> thing I know so. but that's the worst part about dying you know that how I feel about that I stay away I, I don't like the sliminess I stay away from the sliminess Well, well I, I, what I'm doing is I'm shortcutting it the way I die brings me right to that slimy thing I don't have to decay Okay The best way to die is to be blown up I think Cancel Christmas forget about it 
It's over. It's all over. Don't worry about it no more. It's a crazy thing. Uh, water caves are also a crazy thing, mostly found in uh, these cave situations. In the ocean surrounding the Bahamas, there are a number of these dark blue circles that lead deep underwater. Uh, the dark shade of blue is due to the entrances trapping light, and they're reflecting it back into the surrounding water. Uh, who knows what kind of sea beast might dwell in these? Now, not to be confused with the caves, the caves, when there's like, when you deep, you look into it, like you're almost, there's like, you're walking on the ground, there's an opening and down, deep down in there is it's a cave with water in it. These are just kind of, these are almost like, think of an island, but instead of, instead of the, it being an island of, of, of land, it just being dark water because it's just deep in that part of it, you know what I mean? Um, which are pretty, that's pretty cool. Again, I don't vibe with not knowing what's at the bottom of this thing. You know what I mean? I'm not going to fib. Um, I'm very not cool with the unknown, especially in water. And that's one of the reasons why I don't dig water that much because of the unknown aspect of it. Um, so definitely dark, deep water ain't jiving with you, boy. And get, I'm not getting down with that. How you, how you feel? Will you dwell well in the waters, Ray? The deep waters? Uh, no, not me. As far as those, uh, what they're talking about there, uh, no one has yet spent the money to send a submersible deep into them. And I know divers have attempted to go down, but have never been able to reach the bottom. So they're going to, someone's going to have to put up the money to find a submersible that can go that deep to explore them because they've never gone all the way to the bottom to find out what's there. They can't even send a robot down that far? Um, no one's putting the money up to send one of those, those, <laughs> those robot things down there. Hey, isn't it the, whoever finds it gets to name it, right? I'm surprised nobody's ever, uh, that their ego is never paid for that. Yeah, but that robot comes, might just come back with a mind of its mind of its own, whatever inhabited it when it went down there. Who knows? Imagine that where it went so deep that it fried its memory and then the bad energy sometimes infiltrated it and it came back up evil. That'd be wild. Hey, that's another movie. Another movie we can't afford to make. What a world! That's that. I think we're living in hell, right? We have all these great ideas and no fucking no funds to make. Oh, uh, uh, listen, we we can figure out a way. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. I'm being playful. I'm being playful. Uh, next up, we have uh, in in Northwest Georgia, Ellison's Cave. Um, Ellison's Cave is the 12th deepest in the United States. In order to get to this terrifying 586-foot drop, you have to first navigate through 12 miles of nearly pitch-black twists and turns. It's not for the faint of heart, but for those who love to uh, spelunk, it's certainly a bucket list adventure. Now, spelunk, I believe, is what? When you kind of use a rope and slowly kind of you know work your way down to something uh well that that that's technically repelling spelunking is cave exploring oh okay my apologies you could be doing it uh walking too then yeah um this uh i don't know that's the 586 foot drop <coughs> it's a tough one you know what I mean? But you first have to navigate through 12 miles of nearly pitch black twists and turns. I don't support that. That sounds like more of the problem. So you what you work your way through this and then you, you, you kind of, I think, you, you drop down 
this 586 foot drop, like you kind of get a rope and you kind of tether down it or however you will. Another thing I don't feel, I'm not jiving with. I don't do, I'm not, I'm not big on, uh, I'm not big on falling to my death. That's not, that's not on my top list. Um, there's another thing in, in caves called snotty, which is uh crazy snot, snotite, um, which yes, very much like snot. Um, you know, uh, it's a substance that you can find in a cave and it hangs from the top and it, it it's like a gooey, like mucus type. It's like, it's booger. It's pretty much fucking boogers that hang, you know what I mean? Um, and it's like, it's like, it's like a mosquito strip, you know what I mean? And it catches the original mosquito strip and it catches insects and that's how it eats, I believe. Um, it was first discovered in the caves in Tabasco, Mexico. Nice and it was so hot that the mucus was developing. That's what it was. Um, this is also, this reminds me of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, there's a scene in there where they get caught up in some fucking cave booger. You know what I mean? Um, that's one of the characters' fathers somehow. But, um, yeah, cave boogers are, are it's, it's more of that. It's like a more watery sap. It's probably like, you know, the sap that you that develops, you know, there's sap that I've seen sap in rocks. You know what I mean? You got trees, of course, but like these come out of rocks, all types of weird stuff. So it's probably just like a sap that is more got more moisture in it. So it's more runny. You know what I mean? What's your take on snotite? Oh, it's not only runny. It's a lie. It traps insects and eats them. I know it's. It's like a frog tongue. It's like a frog tongue that hangs. So, yeah, it's another life form that uh, really is outside of what we consider the norm. There's this hanging snotty stuff over there that's trapping insects. Uh, who knows what the level of intelligence is? Again, it's evolution that may have stopped when it found the perfect niche to be able to live in that cave. But uh, I don't want to go and find out. I know that. I'd hate to be if there's a cave in. Not only do you posh it, you particularly if, if you were in there and there was a cave-in, and let's say you didn't die right away, well, you're going to be covered in this stuff that's going to start feasting on you. I'm not digging that vibe. I'm not digging that vibe, dude. <laughs> I, I, I felt you going there, too. So, something you to think about when you try next time you try and go to sleep. That's tough. And you're laying there and you hear the house creak. It's like, oh, no, they're coming. Um, no, it's... it's <laughs> Yeah, another unusual, at least unusual to us, life form that developed in a cave. And as we explore more, I think uh, we will find more of these uh, life forms that don't fit into the nice little nooks and crannies that we build for them. The scary part is you got to figure if there's any of these things that they grow big, bigger than this, they'd want, they'd need a bigger food source. And if they got big enough, a human would be a good treat. Oh, yeah. Scary. That's a scary thought. That is, uh, that's kind of, that, that, that's very scary, creepy alien type life stuff that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not jiving with. Um, to go with our salamander friend, our own salamander friend before, there's also a blind fish. Um, um, you know, and it lives in pitch darkness, you know what I mean? Pitch black darkness, like most cave creatures do. Um, 
and it's, it's evolved some unique traits. Uh, many of the fish, for example, are completely blind, but they have the ability to sense even the slightest pressure changes in water through their central nervous systems. Which that doesn't really sound like that much of a crazy, like, wow thing, because when you, if you're a water creature, I assume every little ripple you should be able to feel. You know what I mean? The same way we'd feel wind. We feel wind hitting us, you know what I mean? Uh, similar to a bat's echolocation, it's feeling vibrations coming at it, except that instead of sending something out, it just picks up whatever's around it. Yeah. The blind, well, that would be because it probably lives either, well, well what's this one, live in a cave or at the bottom of the sea? This one? Yeah. Okay, this one's cave, I believe, yeah. Yeah, no light. It doesn't need eyes. It didn't evolve eyes. Instead, it's just a hypersensitive uh, to water pressure and changes in it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it, one of these days, there's going to be human fish walking out of these caves. We're going to have a problem with them. The shape of water, they're trying to... Guillermo del Toro is trying to get the world ready for the reptilian takeover. We got stalactites, you know, uh, we kind of talked a little bit about them with, you know, like the way the, the way the mountains are and stuff. I mean, the caves are on the inside with the, the, the buildup of, you know, the calciums and the salts and gives it all that. Um, but there, there's a big one, Lebanon, you know what I mean? At first glance, the structure, um, you know, we're looking at, I got, I'm looking at a picture right now and it's got this, you know, it's like a globe. that's just kind of engulfed, looks like an avalanche of snow over it. And then there's, you know, just build up anybody who's ever seen you know the science project with the crystals with the build up has a good idea what's going on um but you know there's one in the Gieta grotto in lebanon uh that's got the 27 feet 27 feet big build up at 27 feet so that's kind of you know it's one of the cool things it's one of the biggest ones of those that are cool you know what i mean um this was an interesting one. Supposedly they found a little tiny uh, society in Indonesia. You know what I mean? Uh, so t- so uh, scientists in Indonesia were awed when they came across the cave that once housed uh, a new and incredibly tiny species of humans. The Stand- Hobbit people. Standing at only three feet tall, um, the ho- homo... Uh, fluorescent nieces were almost like ancient hobbits. It's mis- mystery as to why they died out, but fingers might just point to an ancient Suron. Yeah, so what do you know about that, Ray? You were on top of that when I popped that off. I read something a while back. I don't remember remember about it. Scientists are trying to classify it because it does not fit into their categories or branches of human beings and homo sapiens. Um, neat, it doesn't fit in neatly. Everything about them should. Right. So it, basically it's got them stumped why you had the society of uh, three foot three foot tall people running around at that time. And I think the date on them uh, put some way, way back to early mankind. This is like Oompa Loompaville. This is where Willy Wonka got his Oompa Loompas from, it sounds like. Well, and also if they're that small, you got to figure the cave may have been a shelter for them from a larger, dangerous outside world. Yeah, you get that big. And like we, like we said before, with these animals being a lot bigger, you're now the food. You know, you got that to deal with. You got, you know, weather, um, 
even like the water coming up too high would be a problem at, at a certain height. You know what I mean? Yeah. Birds, birds swooping down and grabbing you. That's a problem. You know what I mean? A lot of real issues, you know what I mean? And then you don't know what the life expectancy is back then and, you know, what type of sicknesses they dealt with. You know, we know people that, you know, uh, that are, you know, height, have height situation, you know, <laughs> they're highly inclined. Um, I shouldn't laugh. I mean, the people that uh, dwarf, what they call it, dwarf is the appropriate term. I want to be kind of respectful here. I believe dwarfs, unfortunately, I think part of it is like the, they don't have a long life because of, um, because of it. You know what I mean? So like, you get that plays a factor into what happened with them. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it's like a civilization that's not talked about. You know what I mean? It's weird. It's kind of like, and if it, to be Hobbit, like it does bring into that, 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 you know, the fairy tale, you know, it's funny. Like we said, the last couple episodes, you know what I mean? One of them, the spiritual element, some of this, you know, these, 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 these characters and that you hear is very home, like Homer, the Odyssey, you know, dragons and all these weird medusas and stuff. It's like, you know, when you, when you see stuff like this, it almost makes you wonder, you know, about, about those stories, you know what I mean? Like when you see the uh-huh. Hobbit folks and, you know, but it's one of those deals, you know, but we got to, we Hobbit. still, we got, uh, we don't call them hobbits, of course, that's terrible, but, you know, we, we have, we have dwarfs, you know, still around, they're still, they're killing it, they're fucking killing it, dude, they're getting famous, uh, stand-up comedians and stuff, Alex Hawk's favorite stand-up, you know, but it's one of those deals, tiny society, I believe it, uh, as far as being a society, maybe they were outcasted, you know, maybe they caught no love, you know, maybe it was a harder time. I'm sure it was, you know, as you go, but you look at how, how bad people are to each other nowadays, you know what I mean? With, with the, with the, the cancel culture, um, imagine a world where nobody cared and, and people would just, you know, really get rough on people. Um, going back to that, where these people said, fuck, we could live here with these, these, uh, these tall people and be shitted on and just be looked at as not even human or we can go find our own fucking world, man. And they said, you know, we're going to go build our own world. And that's our, that's our other movie for this episode that we, we don't have a budget to make. The, 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 little, the dwarf guy who said, you know what? Fuck you, people. We're going to start our own shit. We're important, too. Just as important, if not more important than you big people. And uh, he bounced out and started his own little his own deal. Now, the tragic part is it eventually came to an end, um, which is how we end our movie very tragically. Like we've said in, in uh, episodes before, a lot of legends may in fact be based on facts, yeah. and we'd have to take a look at all of the legends of that area that could have been built on the existence of these people as stories were told over centuries and modified. Right. I know, I know in, uh, around Japan and certain islands over there, they have a legend over there of a lost continent, which is basically the same as what uh atlantis in the atlantic but that story could have through travelers traveled around the world and a local culture uh adopts it because in the retelling eventually someone puts it off their coast in the pacific not in the atlantic yeah 
So the stories are back and forth, and who knows if somewhere, because they're starting to find them. Um, I know, for instance, off the coast of India, there was supposedly uh, a small a continent that was supposed to be a glorious city that sunk, and it parallels a lot Atlantis, but what they found in diving down there, uh, deep in the waters, man-made walls, uh, the remnants of what would have been a land bridge built up between where they're starting to find these ruins. So who knows where that legend traveled? And that can be with these little people, and that can be with the these hobbit people, or anything that we look into that we laugh at as a legend now that maybe had some truth behind it. We have to keep our minds open. Sure. Include, including the weird stuff that lives in caves. That we don't want to touch. All that wild stuff, that wild stuff. Next up, the Dead Sea Scrolls, Ray. Oh, yeah. Uh, this cave located in Israel's Judean Desert was apparently home to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, unfortunately, researchers believe someone stole the scrolls long ago. Uh, I wonder where those ended up. Um, through the cave still contained manuscripts written on the, py- the papyrus and animal skin that dated back to the 4th century B.C., when it was discovered. Dead Sea Scrolls never found, never acquired? Well, some were. They, they have some in Israel. They're still translating to pieces because they're so um, broken down. Yeah. Uh, a, lot, a lot of them. Where'd they um, find them? Uh, in the caves. They just randomly, what, like in caves. That's... Actually, originally it was a shepherd boy looking for I think one of the goats that uh, got away from the flock went into a cave, found some jars, went back and got adults. They came in when they opened the jars. They found the scrolls. They they first they were first noticed on the black market, and then once they were uh, verified as being real, um, then the expeditions to try and find them ramped up. Um, the ancient writings I have somewhere. Oh no! Wait a minute. I gave that book away. That's it's uh, an older book with the initial translation of a lot of the scrolls. When you said they showed up in the black market, you mean the under, underground trade, like to buy? Yeah, really. So it went right there. The rich, that'd be something to own. Uh, one rich guy, I think, uh, several years after it came out, attempted to sell them in New York to a museum, but the museum questioned it, and then he bailed. Because he didn't want to uh, get in trouble trouble as to how he procured them. But, yeah, they were a legitimate thing. And there's quite a few of them. Uh, they're still working on translating. There's so many of them. And besides the old language, the condition they're in to try and restore them well enough, put the pieces together, those that did decay, and see what they write. But they're the earliest versions of the Hebrew Bible come from that. Kind of makes you wonder what's what's been bought and locked up. Oh, I don't doubt some have. You know what I mean? Like the crazy things out there that cures the sicknesses. You know what I mean? Weird things, like, you know, lost books of the Bible, evidence, weird evidence, things that, 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 that big gigantic questions could be answered but will never be. You know what I mean? Because the power of knowing that answer is, is so powerful. The, the person who contains it, that, that they know and nobody else knows that that's everything that, to them, you know? Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird vibe. 
know, yeah, it's interesting. Um, shoot, we uh, we try, we try to get all the Dead Sea Scrolls for everybody. Um, jewelry, they they found some jewelry in the caves. That's one of those things from ancient jewelry. That's one of those, uh, you know, which I wouldn't mind rocking the nice Neanderthal. Uh, pendant, you know what I mean? In Cueva de los Avinos, uh, Cave of the Aircraft is what that stands for. Explorers came across an abundance, which Cave of the Aircraft sounds like an UFO thing, across an abundance of jewelry fashioned by Neanderthals. The jewelry was dated to be around 115,000 years old, which was 20,000 years before Europe modern humans. I wish they had a picture of what the jewelry looked like as opposed to where they found it. That would be better. But, um, yeah, well, again, we, we start talking about the Andertals being primitive, but they were making jewelry 115,000 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So they're decorating and making jewelry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's truth. Yeah. I mean, as soon as gifts, giving people gifts, you know what I mean? Which is a day one stuff. Uh, we have we have creepy caves. Uh, the West Wacombe Caves in England have been dubbed Hellfire Caves for a creepy reason. There are several carvings and uh, statuesque formations that resemble Satan, and even though they are all man-made, they keep people away. That's a bad... Yeah, I guess it could catch a bad vibe. All they did was kind of carve faces into the mar- into the rock, which looks creepy, but nothing to be... I'm glad they can at least say that that was man-made and not try and pitch it off as, you know, supernatural. Uh, then there's Caves of Death as well. You know, there are caves in northern Scotland nicknamed the Caves of Death because scientists have found that scattered remains of human bones, which indicate the caves were used for the human sacrifice at one point. Yeah, that would haunt out a cave too. You got to be careful of that stuff. Makes well, sense. You got that in Scotland. You also go down into Mexico and different areas uh, in Central America. And you can go under some of the temples there and they have caverns and they found bones in them. And the bones basically, considering the way some of them are, look like they have two marks on them. They think that they were sacrifices that people killed and they're buried under the temple. So in Scotland, possibly at one time, in a clan structure, and let's say it's a culture that worshipped the earth, yeah. uh, may have did may have done their sacrifices in the cave and left them uh, the bones there and the people there as offerings to the earth, maybe for the harvest or for good weather. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they often say giant bones are found. You know. Um, there was a underwater cave in Madagascar where divers came across massive bones that once belonged to a gigantic lemur, uh, some some of which were as big as gorillas. See, stuff like that, I think, is just like places where there were animals at one point, and then, you know, what, the water rate rose up, and, you know, now 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 it's underwater, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And like we were talking before, there may have been a time when a lot of things were bigger that we don't know about. And they're just discovering that now, like that cave, the lemur was big. Now it's, you look at it, it's, uh, you know, two feet tall. 
You remember, uh, like a year or so ago, they found that big beer, that not beer, the big um, bird claw in New Zealand that was like preserved, pretty well preserved for like how long it's been dead. I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was uh, that, that was that, that was one of those weird things. It was uh, they don't know how, but like yeah, it was like it's pretty uh, the rigmarole. It must have been like the time, it must have fell into some goop. Must have fell in some water or like some type of mud type deal or some air pocket where it didn't get a thing. But yeah, they found it from forever ago. It was pretty big, if I remember correctly, and it wasn't uh, fully, fully decomposed. You know, which is nice. You know, um, we got here. I think um, you know. We're probably we're probably getting close to uh, racking it up here. I can't really think of anything, anything else. Let me see. I'm just cruising through. We already talked about pretty looking places. It's a bunch of pretty looking places. All right, there's one we can talk about a little bit. All right, there's Lichen. Aside from Lichen, almost no life can survive inside of the cavern. However. Wait a second. I fucked up, maybe. Yeah, I fucked up. I fucked up, man. What a weird gr- shit growing. We, we really kind of talk... Yeah, I mean, this is all kind of... Let me try and find one more. And then we'll fucking wrap it up. Um, flooding. Eh, we'll just wrap it up. So we'll go like this. So yeah, that that kind of wraps up all these uh, this list of like weirdo stuff, kind of unexplainable, weird, crazy, fun things that they found in caves. You know. Um, I liked more of the weirder stuff, you know, a lot of the stuff that was rock formations and, you know, like, uh, you know, just the way, you know, very mother naturey things are very cool with well, the very cool things. Um, the look to it, she did a good job with it. Um, but some of the weird things that were cool, them finding, you know, the, uh, you know, things just kind of lost there forever. I, I support that. And the weird things like the, the Hobbit, the little Hobbit community and stuff like that. And, Stuff that makes you think, you know what I mean? That's always interesting. What do you think of the old cave, the old cave talk, Ray? I've always found caves fascinating. I'm someone who likes to explore them. Yeah. Um, I've done rock climbing in caves and stuff like that when I was younger. Um, I also like the, the crypto angle because to me, it's always encouraging when, you know, science says, oh, no, 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 this, that. You know, this this is the way it is. And suddenly they find a creature that shouldn't exist or shouldn't exist anymore. Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, try and keep an open mind, guys. There's, uh, and gals, there's a lot more than you think by your rule book. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a big thing with me. It's kind of like, wow, lemurs the size of gorillas, 33 foot snakes. Keep them coming. Let's keep them. Oh, let's throw a few hobbits in there too. Keep it's it all not, coming. Yeah. That snot creature thing that hangs down and eats insects that if it was bigger it would probably eat us. That was pretty scary too. Oh yeah, I like that one. I yeah, like that. That was a fun one. 
other forms of life that we don't, most people, except the small little fragments of scientists, but most people don't have any awareness of, but it's all out there. Yeah. So be on the lookout. So behave when you go in the cave. That's all we got to say. But yeah, the cave, quite a little doorway into the unknown, literally. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Um, careful, you know, our dis- viewer discretion. Uh, if you were to go investigate caves, you probably should do it with somebody else in case you fall, something falls on you. Very dangerous just in general caves. So don't take... Uh, if our episode got your got your curiosity a buzzing, um, go in with your cousin. You know what I mean? It's not uh, something you should go into solo. Just like I wouldn't say just go randomly walk into the woods alone either because, you know, especially in the Bridgewater Triangle, you get lost. And the firefighters be afraid to come get your ass. You could be dying up in there. So uh, with that being said, we hope you enjoyed this episode. This is fun. This is good. Um we got some guests coming up in the future. Uh, of course, we have a whole uh, illustrious lineup of mostly ghostly uh, episodes. And everywhere where you're listening to this, we have a whole catalog of stuff. Pop over there and get it. We get the Boombastic Media um, YouTube and Facebook page for anybody wanting to get down with the whole network of stuff we do. Boombastic. Uh, we got the Mostly Ghostly Facebook page, which is big. So pop on that for you hear all types of stuff. Interact with us. And we have a Patreon page now for Boombastic streaming for anybody that wants to get in there and show a little support. If you can, if not, no biggie. You'll always get your free stuff here. But if you want to support a little deeper, we have a little more deeper content to dish out to y'all. But uh, we love y'all either way. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.